you should be standing on a corner, facing across a busy road towards a set of black gates, with two guard posts either side and a white clock tower up above and behind them. And provided you've come between 10am and 4pm, you should be able to see the household cavalry on duty. They're the fancy looking ones on horses. That is the official entrance to Buckingham Palace, the home of the British monarchy and once the centre of the most powerful empire in history. These lads are here guarding the Queen, just like they've guarded her ancestors for the last three and a half centuries. Now obviously it's not the same two blokes. They're not immortal. You can't see the palace from here because the royals have a driveway that's over half a mile long. But don't worry, I'll get you there. My name's James Wharton, formerly of the Household Cavalry. And today I'll be taking you through the story of the Horse Guards. Where did the guard come from? What battles did we face? And just why is this dynasty still worth protecting? But my time in the regiment wasn't all that straightforward. While trying to keep up with life in the cavalry, I was also one of the first openly gay men in the British Army. On our route, I'll be taking you through some of my own personal battles. And believe me, there's been a few. Keep your eyes on those blokes on horseback across the street. For 10 years, I was one of them myself. What drew me first to the army, and then the royals, was pride. Or rather, the search for it. The royals aren't just normal people. To me, they're the embodiment of British pride. And growing up as a working-class gay teenager in the early noughties, Pride was something I was running a little short on. Turn round so your back is to the main road and the gates across the street. You should be outside Banqueting House. It's a grand old white building that should be looming up above you. Walk over to the black gates in front of the entrance, on the corner where you're standing. So where did the household cavalry come from? Well, Banqueting House is about the best spot I can think of to get the ball rolling. This new bit by the entrance isn't much to look at, but the old bit to your right is pretty striking. The royals spent fortunes on places like this in the past, often to the neglect of their people, and it didn't always work out for them. Above the entrance, you'll see a bronze statue of a man's head. Can you see it? That's the bust of King Charles I. Notice that strong moustache and the fancy patterning of his jacket. He believed in the divine right of kings, and that is, that God had chosen him to rule all of Britain. Crowned in 1625, he lived a lavish lifestyle at a time when Parliament was seeking to reign in the powers of the monarchy. He and Parliament did not get along, and, long story short, it led to the Civil War, Royalists against Parliamentarians. That war dragged on from 1642 to 1651, and in the end, it was a war that Charles lost. Step back slightly from the gate, towards that black lamppost behind you to the right. But keep facing Banqueting House. Now look up and to your right. Can you see that top set of windows on the old bit of the Banqueting House? Well, at 2pm on the 30th of January 1649, Charles I stepped out from one of those windows onto a stage two stories high. And the parliamentarians cut his head off for treason. An etching of the scene should be coming up on your phone now. Look at the blood gushing out of Charles's neck. It was a grisly end. Oliver Cromwell, leader of the parliamentarians, ascended to power. 
This was the first time in 800 years that the country had been without a monarch. Cromwell's reign was generally considered a pretty awful time, and in 1660, shortly after his death, the people welcomed back Charles's heir, Charles II, and the monarchy was restored. But this 11-year absence had set a dangerous precedent. The people had ousted the monarchy once before. It could happen again. OK, now turn around so you have your back to the entrance of Banqueting House and face across the road to the guards and the clock tower on the far side. Hopefully you should be able to see the cavalry on duty. Those are the colourful ones on horseback. But if not, there should at least be some armed police officers in black milling about by the gates. Don't you think it's funny that they have both? Just look at the difference in dress and equipment. One is wearing a tin helmet and carrying a sword. The other has a stab vest and an assault rifle. Why not just have the police? Well, the police aren't guarding the Queen. They're here guarding the guards. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but hear me out. When Charles II was crowned in 1660, he established what became the Household Cavalry, just in case Parliament ever rose up against him again. Ever since, they've been bound to the monarch, not the British people. They've become an integral part of the monarchy. And here, let's distinguish between the monarch and the monarchy. The monarch is just the king or queen, the person who sat on the throne. The monarchy is the royal family, the guards, the traditions, the whole system that survived for over a thousand years and is a cornerstone of British entity, a celebration of all the stuff that makes me proud. In other words, the household cavalry are just as important as the Queen to the survival of the monarchy. In my late teens, whilst coming to terms with my sexuality, I guess I was drawn here by these traditions and the stability they represent. But before we move on, take a quick look at the face of the clock tower above and behind them. Do you notice anything odd around two o'clock? There's a black smudge on the clock face to commemorate the time of Charles I's execution behind you. Now, cross the road ahead of you and towards the lads on guard. Once across, I want you to walk over to the tall black fence to the left of the nearest guard post. I'll meet you there. Do you see the beware of the horse sign hanging on the guard post to your right? People always want those classic shots of winding up the guards for a reaction. And that's fine if it's just a foot guard, but it's a bit riskier with the horses. I'll let you get your photos in a second. But first, I want to put you in the mindset of the cavalry. If the soldiers are off duty, you can still play along. Steering clear of the horses, I want you to find yourself a spot up against the tall black fence to the left of the nearest guard. Turn so your back is up against the fence and you're facing out across the street. Now, stand to attention. Eyes facing forward, shoulders back, heels together and feet pointed 45 degrees apart. Keep your left hand still in a fist by your side, with your right clenched, as if gripping a sword raised so your elbow is at a right angle. OK, now stay like that. Make sure you keep a straight face and don't make eye contact with anyone. I joined the army at the earliest opportunity. At 16, I left school and reported for training. Want to know what my training sergeant said to us on our first day? Be on time, work hard, do as you're told, and don't come out if you're gay. I can't stand queers. Stay to attention. You're a cavalryman now. Keep facing forward and don't you dare react. That was my first day. I was terrified. To be a soldier was all I ever wanted. 
the army only started accepting gay men and women in 2000. Up until that point, you would be automatically dismissed if you were found to be gay. So there was a sort of homophobic hangover in many of the men who joined before 2000. Shoulders back, soldier! But army training fosters a need to impress your senior officers, and a desire to fit in. So that's what I tried to do. I knew I was gay, but I hid it away. Right, at ease. Before we get going, if you want to grab a few photos with the horses, now is your chance. Hit pause, and then unpause me when you're ready to go. When you're ready, walk over to your left so you're stood between the two guard posts. Turn around and get a look at the men on duty. Just make sure you're not blocking the pathway. It's usually pretty busy round here. It fascinates me trying to read the expressions of the guards. Because on duty you're not allowed to show anything of yourself as a person. You're a cavalryman. That's what you are. Stop here when you can get a good look at them. I spent 10 years in the army, 2003 to 2013. But by the time I'd graduated into Guard and the Queen, like these lads, I'd already come out and was living my life as an openly gay man. I wonder if anyone ever guessed that about me while I was sat like this on duty. Assuming they're on guard, you'll see that they always have their swords drawn. These swords are their only weapons. But while it's a ceremonial position, these soldiers are still on duty. You're constantly scanning around observing people, and if anything does seem suspicious, you have to report it. Otherwise you just people watch and imagine things like, what's he listening to on his headphones? And can you see, just to the left of each soldier, on the inside of the arch of their cabins, is a secret red button. It's literally a panic button, and once pressed, it alerts security and the problem can be dealt with. You wouldn't believe how many bags are left lying around here. Right, now we're going to go through the gate that the horse guards are guarding, and into the little courtyard. Start walking. There are two other horse guards on duty here in this small courtyard. Can you spot them? If not, don't worry. I'll point them out to you in a second. In the courtyard, on your left, there should be three smaller archways. Go and stand by the column between the middle and far arches, facing back across the courtyard. Stop here. Across the courtyard, through the middle archway, you should be able to see a set of wooden gates. There'll be a guard stood just to the left of them. This is the entrance to the stables and where the rest of the men and horses wait for their turn on guard. It can get a bit dull just waiting. All sorts used to happen there in my day, once the gates were closed and the duties done. One afternoon, back in 1894, Queen Victoria made a surprise trip down this way and found that all the men on duty were already drunk and gambling. Our Victoria was not known for her good humour, and as you can imagine, she was livid. As punishment, the commanding officer decreed that there would be a 4pm inspection in this very courtyard every day for the next 100 years. This ended in 1994, but by then they'd gotten used to the tradition and decided to carry it on. They just love pomp and ceremony. You should have spotted the guards on foot facing each other across the courtyard. See those boots glistening? They'll have spent hours on those just for today. You'd spend days on them before a big parade. Have you ever caught your reflection in a pair of leather boots before? 
Before we move on, if we've come just at the time that the guards are changing, we may get held up a bit. If this is the case, the police will be telling you to keep out of the way. So just put me on pause. Right, let's head on through the big central stone archway to your left, to Horse Guards Parade itself. You'll see it forms a bit of a tunnel. Only the royals and generals are allowed to drive through this archway. Life when I first arrived in the Household Cavalry was tough. You really have to be on it 24 hours a day, and on top of that, you have a bloody horse to look after. It's not just your officers you're looking to invest. The whole world is watching. At the end of the tunnel, walk between those chains in front of the archway and stand over in the near right corner of the chained off square. If, however, the changing of guard is happening right now, you're a lucky sod. Find yourself a quiet spot a few paces away from the crowd. Stop when you're inside this chained off square and position yourself just to the right, out of the way with your back to the tunnel that you just came through. So this wide open space is Horse Guards Parade. It's massive. To your right is the gorgeous red brick Old Admiralty Building. This is where Churchill strategized with the Navy in the Second World War. Stuck on the end of that is a squat brick building. That's the Admiralty Citadel, a bomb-proof monstrosity where they could all hide during the Blitz. With your back still to the tunnel you came through, look over to the left-hand side of the square. Behind those trees are some large, brick terraced houses. One of those is 10 Downing Street, the residence of the Prime Minister. You can tell which one it is because it has a white flagpole on the roof. Straight ahead of you, beyond the square, is St James's Park, which is really the Queen's front garden. Like I said, there's still a way to go before you see the palace. Can you smell that? Just look around at the gravel in the square. You can see the traces of hoof marks on either side, and it always smells of horse crap. This is the site of the famous changing of the guard ceremony. It takes place at 11am most days, 10am on Sundays. The Royal alternates between the lifeguards and the Blues and Royals, the two regiments that make up the household cavalry. So each day, you'll see a contingent in red lining up here to take over from a group in blue, and vice versa. I was always in blue. Whenever I was here, Often struggling to get my horse to stand still, I just used to look at those two statues flanking the gate we just came through. Turn to take a look at them. Why do statues always make riding a horse look so bloody easy? It's not like riding a bike. A bike doesn't try to throw you off whenever it's having a bad day. Make sure you're still facing back towards the archway. Directly above the central arch is the office of the General Commanding London District. It once belonged to the Duke of Wellington, the Iron Duke, who, if you don't know, is possibly Britain's most revered soldier ever. In 1815, he led the British in the Battle of Waterloo and the defeat of Napoleon. Waterloo was the biggest battle in the Household Cavalry's history and was a massive deal for the monarchy. Napoleon claimed to have replaced the French monarchy and aristocracy with a system based on merit rather than birthright. The thought that this revolutionary spirit might spread to our shore had the British establishment terrified. The Household Cavalry were there to represent and protect the monarchy. To this day, it remains the bloodiest battle we've ever faced. Now turn and walk out to the end of the chained-off section, 
towards the centre of the square and wait there. Before I could take part in the guard, I had to complete seven more months of training, consisting mostly of mucking out horses and polishing boots until you keeled over. I was still very much in the closet and threw myself into my duties as if to make up for being gay, for who I was. I needed to be perfect. You should have reached the centre of the square. Stop here. With the archway still behind you, look over at the right corner. You should be able to see a statue of a man stood on top of a column in the distance. Horse Guards Parade is also where the Troopin' of the Colour takes place on the Queen's birthday. It's a massive great parade, led by the Household Cavalry. We ride in with the Queen from there, the same route we take for all parades, and drop her off by the arches so she can inspect the men as they march past. This is for the Queen's official birthday in June, not the actual day she was born. The monarch gets two birthdays if they're not born in the summer months. This has been the case since George II back in 1748. It rained on his birthday in November, so he decided to tie his big day to a military parade in the summer, known as the Troopin' of the Colour. But to be honest, it doesn't matter when it is, if you're British, it's gonna rain on your birthday. I remember it tipped it down for Her Majesty's 90th in 2016. Before we move on, you should know that quite often there are ceremonies and events on Horse Guards Parade and at Buckingham Palace, so it's possible that sometimes the areas we're planning to go to will be cordoned off. If that's the case, just get as close as you can to where we want to go, and then hit the Skip Forward button in the Detour app. You can also make use of the compass and the map in the Detour app if you're not sure which way to go. With the archway behind you, look to your left way over on the side of the square where I showed you Downing Street before. You'll see another couple of armed police officers on duty next to a navy blue police box. Start walking over that way now. These guys aren't here protecting the Queen, they're here protecting the Prime Minister's back garden. Just to the left of the police is a white memorial. On it you'll see a bronze statue of a man. Walk over to it now. Actually, I never set out to join the Household Cavalry. But over my first year of training, my training sergeant, the same one who announced he hated gays on my first day, had become a bit of a role model. Which sounds messed up, I'll admit. He was in the Blues and Royals, and I guess I just wanted to be like him. But six months later, life in the regiment was starting to take its toll on me. The combination of duty, stress and no sleep I could handle but there was always a sickening dread that someone might find out about my sexuality. A proper pit of your stomach terror. But I still kept trying to be perfect. Find a spot by those bollards in front of the statue. The chap with the moustache is Earl Kitchener, Field Marshal of the British Army, the most senior rank, until the time of his death in 1916. Earl Kitchener was the face of the Army's Your Country Needs You recruitment poster in the First World War. And from September 1914, that slogan, moustache and pointing finger were splashed across walls all over Britain. Every Brit on the planet knows that poster. Yet he's still something of a forgotten hero. Described as the Churchill of the Great War, without him Britain wouldn't have lasted a year. But I remember him for different reasons. 
He never married and rumours were rife about his relationships with the young and handsome men who served on his staff. Remember, prior to 2000 this was still illegal. I always find my eyes drawn to his face. He looks like a man with the weight of the world hanging from his brow. I remember feeling like that some days too. In fact, it seems that these rumours were circulating even during his service, at least in private. I can only assume the reason he wasn't caught was because of his social standing. No one dared to out him publicly. I doubt a junior rank like me would have been so lucky. That aside, it is remarkable that he rose to the rank as a gay man forced to live in secrecy. He was undoubtedly iconic. I only found this out much later on, of course. I hid my sexuality for two years, but I couldn't have kept it up forever. Not like Kitchener. Turn around now so that Kitchener is behind you and you're facing back out across the square. In the far left corner, just to the left of the brick citadel that's covered with vines, you should see a black lamppost. Head across the square to that left corner now. On the day of our penultimate inspection before becoming full members of the regiment, I was still living in the closet. I put everything into the last seven months. The pressures were getting unbearable, but I was determined to be perfect for the inspection. That morning, after 12 hours of cleaning my equipment, I walked out into the square. But all of a sudden, someone dropped something next to my horse and it totally freaked out. Next thing I knew, I'd landed in a puddle, coated in mud and horse shit. I don't remember the wet or the cold, only the wave of terror. In that instant, I was certain I had failed, that I'd never be a soldier. And then I just lost it. I got up and stormed right out of the gates and burst into tears. You should be coming to the centre of the square, but carry on towards the lamppost in the far left corner. After that meltdown came a nervous wait. I had lost my composure. And you just can't do that as a soldier. I was sure I'd be chucked out. That weekend, some mates took me to the pub to cheer me up and asked if I was okay. They said I'd been acting odd and wondered if there was anything I wanted to get off my chest. I shrugged and looked confused. So one says, we think you're gay and struggling to come to terms with the fact. I panicked. I'd known I was gay since I was 16, but I'd been trying to repress it since my first day in the army. Where the hell had they picked this up from? Make sure you're still heading towards that lamppost in the corner, to the left of the brown building covered in vines. It turns out the lads had picked up on how tense I'd been. This was more than exam stress. That, plus the absence of a girlfriend, or any interest in girls for that matter, they'd put two and two together. I don't know why I didn't think up an excuse. Instead, I just replied, yes, I'm gay. I thought the world would fall out from underneath me if I ever admitted it. But my God, it was a weight off my shoulders. I had no idea what would happen when the rest of the barracks found out. Of course they'd find out. Scandal spreads like the clap in the army. You should now have arrived at the lamppost with the Admiralty Citadel directly on your right. If you look down by the black lamppost, you can see the colour of the road changes from black to red. This is where Horse Guards Road meets the Mall. And the Mall really is the Queen's driveway. Her very own permanent red carpet. After the total disaster of my inspection, I thought I'd never get to ride down here with Her Majesty. 
Thank God, my riding instructor put in a good word for me. Extenuating circumstances, he said, and I was cleared to face the final inspection. But more importantly at the time, instead of ditching or shaming me for coming out, my friends rallied around me with warmth and support. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. Right, we're going across Horse Guards Road towards the park. Watch out for traffic. Once you're safely across, turn left and walk to the Guards Monument. That's the big white memorial up ahead of you. When I came out, most of the regiment were supportive. Others, though, were wary, and as the news spread, I received some unwanted attention. Soldiers I'd never met would just approach me, and without introduction, say, Oi, are you the gay one? Troopers were supposed to be anonymous. You kept your head down and worked hard. I'd been there just under a year, and even the bloody colonel knew my name, and knew that I was gay. The White Stone Memorial should be coming up on your right. Stop when you're in front of it. It's the Guards Memorial, in memory of the Royal Foot Guards who laid down their lives during the First and Second World Wars. We'll see some of the real-life Foot Guards in action in a bit. Take a look at the memorial. There's one soldier for each regiment and their emblems are below. It's a reminder to all the tourists that the men you see here on display in ceremonial dress are soldiers too. Most will have been on tour at some point and endured some terrible conditions. Take a look up at their faces. Pretty expressionless, right? The way all guards are trained to be. They face their fate with bravery and resilience. Life in the army can be like that, even here, as I found out. One night in 2005, not long after I'd come out, a lad at the barracks suggested he wanted to explore his sexuality with me. While I was reluctant at first, we soon ended up going to his room and getting down to business. Only, just as he was about to pull off my boxes, he seemed to have a change of heart. Before I knew it, he'd smacked me to the floor and was kicking me in the face. I woke up in Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. When I came to, they told me the other lad had been arrested. Once I made it back to the barracks, the Corporal of Horse called me to his office. As it turned out, he'd asked me there not to check that I was okay, but to double-check that I really wanted to press charges. I couldn't believe it. My assault seemed to be an inconvenience for him. I did go ahead with it, but over the following weeks, I wondered if it was really worth it. Dealing with the military police was the worst. This was obviously new ground for them. Not long before, they would have been chucking me out. The other lad confessed to all charges and he got fined just over a grand, but he stayed at the barracks. He wasn't moved or discharged, and I was made to live with that for the rest of my time there. I'd felt so happy since coming out, but this really was a reality check. I felt totally let down by the whole system. Turn away from the monument and wander over to Horse Guards Road behind you. Stop, just at the curb. When we paraded down this road with the Queen, there'd be over a hundred of us, half in red from the lifeguards and half in blue from the Blues and Royals with Her Majesty in a horse-drawn carriage. A few weeks after I'd been assaulted, in July 2005, London was rocked by the 7-7 bombings. Three bombs went off at underground stations during the morning rush hour. Only no one was calling them bombs until a bus exploded at Tavistock Square. The following weekend I was supposed to be escorting the Queen down this very road for the VE Day celebrations. She was supposed to be riding in an open-top carriage. The security risk was obvious, 
We were still on high alert and the press thought it was too dangerous. But Her Majesty insisted we go ahead with it. The parade was the most important moment of my ceremonial career. I've never felt so proud to be British. After that, I knew I had to persevere. The Queen would not be intimidated by violence, and neither would I. Right, let's get moving. We've still got a way to go before we get to the palace. We're going to head on into St James's Park now. Facing the Queen's Guard Monument, there should be some ornate black metal gates to your left. We're going to go through them and into St James's Park. Let's go. Once you're through them, follow the path straight ahead. Head straight over the crossing path as you come to it. Nobody ever remembers this, but while these parks are open to the public, they're still royal property. You're just entering the Queen's front garden, and as impressive as this is, she's also got another just as big behind Buckingham Palace. By 2005, I was out. I was an openly gay soldier, but I'd never met anyone else who was. Right up until 2000, you could be dismissed for being gay in the armed forces, and it wasn't as though everyone was on board with the changes. At least one brigadier resigned over the proposal to allow gay people in the army. So naturally, people kept it to themselves. They'd rather face a life of total repression than be persecuted for who they were. Up ahead, you should be able to see a wooden-fronted cafe. Carry on towards it. What I still can't understand is this. In the army, you're expected to make snap decisions that may determine if someone lives or dies. It's much easier to do that if you're not carrying around a terrible secret and a ton of self-loathing. Being open about your sexuality doesn't just make you a happier person, it also makes you better at your job. Fact. There are so many bloody birds here, it's insane. Just don't feed them. You'll be passing the cafe soon. Carry on straight past it towards the lake up ahead. Actually, back in 2005 when I came out, it was still so rare for soldiers to be openly gay that even in Soho, London's vibrant gay district, I was one of the first a lot of people had ever met. And I did quite well out of that. I count myself as one of the lucky ones. At least I didn't have to lie about it. One of the particularly interesting stories of gay men in the army took place in this very park. The story of Lieutenant Colonel Ian Harvey, Second World War serviceman turned Member of Parliament. Back in 1958, Ian Harvey was caught having an affair with one of the Queen's foot guards one winter's night, right here in St James's Park. I've never worked out where exactly this took place, but all sorts has happened in here over the years. Have you ever heard of cottaging before? Well, the term dates back to the Victorian era, when gay men would go in search of some privacy together and, with options limited, they'd often end up in public toilets. The older park toilets around London look like little cottages. It's a bit outdated, though. I guess you'd call it cruising now. Ian Harvey was caught, discredited and forced to resign from office. But you know what Winston Churchill said when he heard the news? On the coldest night of the year? Makes you proud to be British. Churchill saw bravery. The bravery of a man looking for intimacy in a society which treated Harvey as a dangerous pervert. And that kind of makes me smile. Carry on walking along the lakeside. Up ahead of you, by the water's edge, is an information board about local bird life. When you reach it, stop and enjoy the view for a while. 
On a separate note, you know the Queen's famous for keeping corgis, right? They're yappy little dogs with sandy-coloured fur and massive ears. Well, as royal pets go, they're pretty tame. St James's Park has seen all sorts of exotic royal critters down the years. Stop here by the information board. If you look down and just to its right, can you see that warning sign on the short black railings? Don't feed the pelicans. That's right, pelicans. We've got pelicans here in St James's Park and they've been here as long as the household cavalry. They were a gift from the ambassador of that notoriously tropical nation, Russia, back in 1664, to celebrate the restoration of Charles II. Have a look about and see if you can spot them. OK, you're probably thinking, pelicans, hey? That's not that mental. Well, the Moroccan ambassador gave him 30 ostriches and two lions. How about that? Just imagine them running about. While we're here, this is a great spot for your photos. If you turn to your left, beyond the lake, you can see the buildings of Horse Guards Parade in the background. If you want to take a photo, just tap the camera icon on your screen. You can take a picture and share it without leaving the Detour app. OK, we're going to start walking again, in the same direction as before, keeping the lake on the left-hand side. In late 2006, I joined up with the operational side of the regiment ahead of going to war. There's a stigma everywhere you go in the army that ceremonial duty is not real soldiering. You're not a soldier, you're a decoration. They all assume that all the lads in London are just having one big party. And yes, there's a bit of that, but we're also up on our horses for 6am most days. 4am or earlier if we're preparing for a parade. It just doesn't leave enough hours in the week for going out raving. You should see another path merging from your right, but just carry on to the left between the tall trees until you reach the low footbridge up ahead. I always think it's a bit mad how many kings and queens would have walked through this park over the years. Centuries back, Henry VIII would have come hunting here. I don't think there'd have been any pelicans though. If you look across the lake to your left, the road on the far side of the park is named Birdcage Walk. So named because that's where Charles II kept his menagerie of exotic birds down the whole length of the park. So, getting back to Wayne would mean God. What people don't count on is how well disciplined the household cavalry are as a result of our time with the Queen. So, having good discipline helped make a good impression on our superiors. But that wasn't enough. We still had to prove we were tough. I was in my element. Yes, I'm a gay man. But if you think that'll stop me shooting you in the face, you're very much mistaken. The comments I got from my corp later were, geez, for a puff you've got some damn aggression. I took this as a sign of acceptance. This is how people spoke in the army back then. And in that moment I was proud to be counted as one of them. Even if, on the face of it, it was an incredibly ignorant thing to say. You should have now reached the bridge on your left. Turn here and take the path on your right. After turning right onto the path, continue ahead until you reach the big black gates at the edge of the park. After training in 2007, we were off to Iraq. It was my first time in a conflict zone, and the rest of my life was on hold for six months. We flew to an American base in Kuwait, and then moved on to the British command post in Basra. 
we had a lot of lectures repeating the same warnings. When we got to Basra, we could expect to be attacked with rockets at any moment. We knew that there'd been an invasion, and that we were there too. Actually, I had no idea why we were there. Some of my mates even got shot at by Americans once because they couldn't believe that Allied troops would be using vehicles as old as ours. Speaking of Americans, while working with US forces I met a guy called Sammy. Straight away I knew he was gay, but back in 2007 it was still illegal in the US military. Can you imagine? In 2004 there was an estimated 48,000 LGBT people in the US military. All those people being forced to live a lie while risking their lives for their country. Carry on past this cafe to the gates at the end. Nothing ever happened between us. It was all too complicated. And in early December 2007, we pulled out of Iraq and I never saw Sammy again. Once you're through the gates, walk over to the crossing on your left. Okay, finally you get a view of the palace to your left. The road leading down to it is the Mall the Queen's big red carpet. This is where I spent my time riding on parades. And at the end of the mall, you can see Buckingham Palace with the Victoria Monument in front of it. Hopefully you've got some sunshine because it lights up that gold bit like a Christmas tree. If you want to take photos, go ahead. Hit pause and I'll wait for you. Don't step out into the road though. I'll be getting you closer for a better shot in a bit, so there's no pressure. Cross over the road when you're ready to move on, and I'll meet you on the other side. But please be careful of the traffic on your way across. It gets busy, and they really don't stop for pedestrians. Okay, you should now be safely across the road from St. James's Park. Turn to your left and face down the mall to the palace. We're going to follow this gravelly path all the way, but we'll stop off halfway down. After my tour of Iraq in 2007, we came back home. That's when I got to know Prince Harry. There was a lot of drama in the press when Harry joined the army, especially when he looked to be heading out to Iraq. The papers couldn't decide if it was his duty as a soldier, or if it was just too risky. In the end, he stayed behind. But six months later, Harry had been secretly deployed to Afghanistan, where he was monitoring the movements of Terry Taliban. That's genuinely what he called them. The big red brick building over the wall to your right is the back of St. James's Palace. It's hard to get a good look at it from our route, unfortunately, but we'll come back to it in a bit. Continue down this path until you come to that driveway on the right. Despite being third line to the throne, Harry was desperate to be a normal soldier. Both he and Prince William joined my regiment as officers. I don't think they ever spent time guarding the front gate, though. Which is probably for the best, because you get enough bloody tourists there as it is. In 2008, we were sent on a training exercise to Canada. We were all split into tanks and I was teamed with Prince Harry. You should have come to a crossing and be able to see some gates on your right. Turn and walk over to the gates now and we'll take him where we are. There should be a chain barrier just in front of the gate. Walk over so you're in line with the left-hand gas lamp above the gates. This is the entrance to more royal properties. Clarence House is the big white one on the right, with the guard post outside. It was intended to be the home of Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip before the sudden death of her father, George VI, in 1952. There's always a troop of the Queen's foot guards here, like the chap who got caught with Ian Harvey in St James's Park. Can you see them? 
Notice how their uniform differs from the cavalry. No swords and horses this time. They actually carry rifles. If you come by at 11am, on the dot you'll catch them having an inspection before they march down to Buckingham Palace with a full regimental band. People always wait by the palace, but you get a much better view from here. Also, you may have spotted them marching up and down. That's them just stretching their legs. To the right and behind Clarence House, the red brick building is St James's Palace, as I mentioned. This is where the actual throne is kept as well as being the London residence of the Prince of Wales and the Princess Royal, the Queen's children. It's well worth going to see. I love St James's Palace. Now, let's head back onto the Mall and carry on towards Buckingham Palace, as we were. Turn so the gates and Clarence House are behind you, then walk back to the gravelly path and follow it to the right. After the beating I'd received from the lad in the barracks in 2005, I tried to avoid any action with other soldiers. I mostly kept to that until the trip to Canada. Along with our boys, there was also a troop from another regiment in the British Army. Well, one night in a bar, a lad from the other troop started chatting me up and buying me drinks. We really hit it off, and after thinking it over, I suspended my strict guidelines. The next morning, as I came down to breakfast, I was feeling quite smug. The other boys were always bragging about girls, and for once, I'd got laid and had a story to tell. Only I wish I hadn't. A couple of hours later, the whole camp knew. Prince Harry came to find me working on the tank and greeted me with, Good morning, you dirty dog. Carry on until you reach those grey columns up ahead. You should now see a park on your right. That's Green Park. It's gorgeous now, but 500 years ago it was a swampy burial ground for lepers. But back to Canada. Not everyone found the story so amusing. The lad from the night before had been bullied all morning and denied the rumours to everyone. Turns out he was still in the closet, and I just outed the poor kid. Soon I had six angry infantry lads coming to kick my head in for spreading lies about their mate. I was in trouble. I asked to speak with Harry in the tank, and while he looked a bit bewildered, he listened without judgement. I told him everything, but he cut me off and said, Right, I'm going to sort this shit out. And he did. He told them all to back off and save me from a beating. It really meant a lot that he'd stuck up for me like that. We're going to pass between these columns here. Each of the grey columns in front of the palace represent nations of the old empire, as it was in Victoria's time. If you carry on straight ahead, you'll see another tall black lamppost on the corner, just in front of the railings. Walk over to it so you've got a nice view. So that's Buckingham Palace, the Queen's house. This is probably one of those photo moments, so hit pause now if you like and get a few in. I'll wait. You can always tell if the Queen is home by looking at the flagpole on the roof, provided you've got a bit of wind. If she's in residence, they'll be flying her colours, called the Royal Standard. It's a four-panelled flag, two red quadrants with three gold lions for the Kingdom of England, one gold quadrant with a red lion for the Kingdom of Scotland, and a blue quadrant with a gold harp for the Kingdom of Ireland. I thought they must have forgotten about Wales and done England twice, but it turns out Wales became part of the Kingdom of England back in 1282. Since then, the title of Prince of Wales has been reserved for the heir to the throne. If the Queen's not in, the red, white and blue of the Union flag will be flying instead. Alright, we're going to follow the road round to the right, past these flower beds. We'll head that way to get right up to the front gates.
Start walking. It all looks very grand, doesn't it, the palace? But it's big and old and apparently falling apart inside. In 2016, they announced it would need a £370 million refurbishment to be paid for by the taxpayer. That got a few people upset. I can see why it's a tough sell sometimes, but if you're a cavalryman, it's difficult to accept anti-monarchy sentiment. Once you've been in the Queen's Guard, the loyalty stays with you. After my time in Canada, I came back to ceremonial duties and riding with the Queen. But I knew my time with the army was coming to an end. Since I'd left, I'd been to war, travelled the world, and now I was starting to settle down. I'd met a man, fallen in love, and thought I might write a book one day about all this madness. We're just coming to the black and gold gates on your right. This is Canada Gate. We're going to walk past it to the crossing ahead. See the road to the right of the palace? That leads up to Hyde Park and my old barracks. The barracks had been my home for what felt like a lifetime. When my partner and I got engaged, I knew that's where we had to have our civil partnership reception. Marriage still wasn't an option for us at the time. It was the first gate celebration ever to be held there, and that in itself was huge. You've seen how traditional the guard is. The place I'd once had the shit kicked out of me for being gay was now the place I married the man I love. After all, love trumps hate. We should now just be arriving at a crossing to Buckingham Palace on your left. Be careful and make your way across. Once safely over, make your way towards the central gates. It can get pretty congested ahead as you come to cross the driveway. The first gate on your right is the one the royals use if they're travelling by car. Make sure there's nothing coming. If there is, there'll be a policeman telling you not to cross. Have a peep through if you like, but we're headed to the big central gate, which is the next one over. Sometimes this can get corded off for special occasions, but just get as close as you can. Before I ended my time with the army and left the Queen, I had one last request. I wanted to ride in the parade for the royal wedding. I wanted to feel that rush one last time and for my family back home to see it. I wanted to make them proud. Once we dropped the Queen off, I led the procession back to base. Even on such a big day for the royals as a whole, it was the Queen, not William and Kate, that we were escorting. But as I said at the start, we are the guard of the monarch, not the future monarch. We should be coming to the central gate now. See if you can get to the front by the right pillar. If you've got a good view through the gate, you should be able to spot a few more foot guards on duty. Can you see, directly above the central archway of the palace, the middle balcony? That's basically the Pride Rock of Britain. It's where Will and Kate shared that first kiss after the wedding. It's where the Queen does her waving. And it's where Prince George and Princess Charlotte were announced to the world's media. So much has been made about Prince William and Kate, Prince George and Princess Charlotte. They're the future of the royals, and the royals are desperate for us to love them. And it seems to be working. In opinion polls, the royals' popularity continues to rise. The Queen is the country's nana, and it seems the world has come to accept Prince Philip's sporadic and politically contentious outbursts as kind of charming. But the royals are different from you and I. They even smell different. They have this unbelievable confidence that results from such an illustrious history. And while debate seems to have subsided for the time being, we need them. I need them. And through their considerable influence and various charities, they do a lot of good.
But what I'll never forget is the huge sense of pride I felt while riding up and down the mall with the Queen. There's something romantic about the job. On every parade I was so much more than James Wharton. I was a member of Her Majesty's Household Cavalry. Almost like I was an extension of the monarchy itself. I've tried to imagine how all these bizarre traditions must look from an outsider's perspective. Maybe it all seems a bit outdated. But each and every one of them is fundamental to the allure of the monarchy. It's all part of the British brand. Without pomp and ceremony, celebrating the pride of Britain, the Queen is just a little old lady in a really big house. And what good does that do anyone? While I eventually parted company with the guard, people tell me I still carry an unmistakable trace of my time spent there. It's in the way I speak, and even in the way I carry myself. And for a young gay kid from a little town in North Wales, that did me a huge amount of good. On that note, I'll leave you be. I hope you've enjoyed our time together, and my story. At ease. <laughs>